What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Hamilton Train Podcast. I am your host, Jared Hamilton. I really appreciate you being here today. Now, today's episode is a little deeper than normal. So I wanted to do another episode on the the, the concept of be- becoming free around food and how to handle things like binge eating and emotional eating, deprivation, all, all the negative and all of the 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 just the gross stuff around around food and around dieting and around how, you know, we view ourselves in a lot of cases. So that's why I wanted to get my friend Jesse Jean on the podcast to talk about it because she is way more, way uh, more versed in this than I am. She has an entire program that she's built around this concept of food freedom. She's uh, a certified eating psychology coach and she has, like I said, an entire program and that's all, this is all she does and it, uh, centered around all of this stuff. And she's an expert in it and she's amazing at it. And she helps a lot of people specifically with, um, with becoming free around food and binge eating and emotional eating in the whole nine yards. So I wanted to get her on the podcast and talk about this stuff because she's just brilliant with it. And I know a lot of people struggle with this. So, um, I'm going to quit talking now and going to get Jesse on, on the phone. And, um, I think you guys are going to enjoy this. Be sure and listen to the whole episode. You're going to want to, it's a little bit longer, but I promise it'll be worth it. Um, and then I have all of Jesse's contact info in the, uh, in the show notes below. That way, if you guys want to reach out to her or see about working with her in any capacity, you can. So, um, I will get her on the line and I hope you enjoy. Hey. Hi Jared. How are you? I'm well, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks. Good. Thank you so much for doing this. this I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm um, excited to chat. I hope, I hope I can add a bunch of value to your audience. I love it. Oh, well, I have no doubt whatsoever you will. So, um, so yeah, I, pre- I appreciate you doing this. So totally. thank you for asking me to be on. <laughs> no, absolutely. absolutely. Um, I've been going back and forth with your assistant. She's super sweet. So <laughs> yeah, Carly's the best. She, um, she, we had to cancel a, an interview I had yesterday. There's been, I found out my dad tested positive for oh no coronavirus. I know. I was like, oh, and it was just, it was just a heavy day. Um, I think we hope everything's going to be fine. I'm praying that it's all going to be fine. He's sure. feeling fine. It's just, you know, I feel like some people are totally fine and some people aren't. So, um, yeah, it was a heavy day yesterday, but I woke up today and I'm like, no, nope, today's going to be a good day. I feel good. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. Well, um, we're, we are recording. So, um, now in case any of my audience isn't familiar with you or what your work is and stuff, uh, give some background about you and your story, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, I grew up, um, in Colorado in a small little mountain town and, um, I never really struggled with food and body image issues until I got to high school. And that's when I really started to, yeah, I just started to, to struggle in all different kinds of ways. I was a student athlete. I was excelling in academics. I was in student government. I was volunteering. I felt like I had to do everything and I had to do it perfect. And so my relationship with food started to take a turn for the worst when I was in high school. And then that continued on for another decade. And in that time, I found myself in some of the lowest lows I had ever been mm. thinking, thinking, I don't know if life is even worth it. If I have to live with struggling with binge eating, emotional eating, compulsive overeating, and just feeling crazy with food. It was this dark, silent, secret struggle that I was, I was trying to navigate. And I tried so many different things to dig my way out of that mental hell hole. I went to therapy. I was in Overeaters Anonymous. I did different recovery programs and 
I couldn't, I wasn't finding my way out. Certain things were helping me see other things, but I wasn't, I wasn't getting to the point where I was no longer binging or overeating or feeling crazy with food. And so by the time I finally dug my way out of, of that place, I felt like I had this moral obligation to help women and teach them like, Hey, there's, there is actually freedom from this where you can regain that mental freedom and that, that mental real estate. And so that's when I decided to um, go to the Institute for the psychology of eating to become credentialed to help, to help individuals, um, yeah, navigate their way out. No, I love that. And and that's one of the things that I love most about you and your content is that it's not just like, uh, like we all know, like, for example, like uh, personal trainers and coaches who have always been shredded and they've never like not had an eight pack. And then they're like trying to teach people how to lose weight. And it's like, you, there's a level of understanding that they don't have. So the fact that you've gone through your stuff and have been on the other, have gotten to the other side, but you know, firsthand about all that is what I love most about you. So, um, how, how did you go about, like, now that you're on the other side, how, 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 how did you do that? How did you go about, and I know that's a really deep level thing, but how, how yeah. did you go through all of that and come out on the other side? Yeah, it was a lot of trial and error. Honestly, I, um, before I was coaching women through this process of reprogramming what's going on in their brain around food and their body. I was doing health and fitness coaching because before that I got into health and fitness thinking that was going to be the thing that was going to solve my problems with food. And I got into competing and, you know, I did the, I did it all. I I counted calories, I counted macros. I I did all of those types of things. And, um, along the way I was learning more and more, and I was having a deeper understanding of what was going on because I was also obsessed with understanding the brain. And so Mm. before I even went to the Institute for the psychology of eating, I was just fascinated with understanding why we do what we do, how, how our brain works. And so in, um, you know, going through all of the challenges that I went through with food. I mean, and when I say challenges, I want to speak to whoever's, you know, whoever may be listening to this, that it doesn't matter where you fall on the spectrum of challenges with food. I think Mm -hmm. when people hear the term eating disorder or binge eating or whatever, it's like, I don't think I'm that. And I just want to, I want to clarify kind of what that even means? What is it? How do I know if I have a problem with food? That's a question I get asked a lot. How do I know, Jesse, if I have a, I don't know if I'm a binge eater. I mean, I definitely have binge. I don't know if I'm an, I don't know if I have an eating disorder. And I think that those terms are so scary to label ourselves with. Um, and I always, I always tell, you know, the people who reach out and ask me that I say first, I, I want you to understand that we don't need to attach that label. You're not disordered, nor are you a binge eater. That's not how we were born. Mm-hmm. Um, we might be experiencing that and, it, and it's frustrating, but we're not those things. And then I just say, you know, all you have to do is ask yourself a series of questions. And those questions are, do I think about food all of the time mm-hmm. or frequently? Like, is it a thought that's either in the forefront of my mind or in the back of my mind? Is it something that I think about when I first wake up? Am I constantly worried or stressed about what I should eat, what I shouldn't eat? Do I ever feel a sensation of like a sense of a loss of control? Do I, do I feel this outside force driving me to do things with food that I intellectually know I don't really want to do? But yeah, I feel this impulse to do so. Do I feel guilt for eating sometimes? Do I feel shame? Do I ever want to hide and eat? Do I ever want to eat in secret? Do I ever want to avoid social situations because of the food or because of how I feel about my body? Do I ever feel anxious when I'm eating or about eating or thinking about eating or planning food 
Yeah. And if you can answer yes to any of those, you, this is what I always say, you're deserving of, of greater freedom and there is greater yeah. freedom available for you mentally. And I, so for me personally, my journey was one in which I, I got out of high school and I thought, you know what, when I'm on my own, I'm going to be able to have control and things will be far better. And I got into high school or into college and my struggles just started spiraling deeper mm. and deeper because I had more control. And so I would restrict harder and the backlash effect of that, that restriction and trying to diet, you know, it was, it was this slap in the face of, I would snap and I would binge and I would hide food. And I started stealing my, you know, I would, I would get into these modes where I would steal my roommate's food. I would, I would hide from other people. I would hide wrappers at the bottom of the trash can. I would pour water over my food. Like you're done. Don't eat anymore. I would Mm. chew food and spit it out. I would try and make myself throw up when I felt too guilty. I was killing myself trying to work out to make up for what I was eating. And those cycles just perpetuated throughout college. And it just slowly chipped away at my, my feelings of self-worth to the point I was so insecure that my whole world became trying to figure out how to feel good in my own skin. And that's when I found health. That's when I found the fitness industry. And that's when I, um, that's when I started to compete. And I, uh, the first time I competed, I, I almost, I think my body was shutting down. I remember I was flying. Yeah. I was flying home to, um, I lived in Miami at the time and I was flying back to Denver to do my show and I was walking through the airport and I almost passed out. I remember thinking, I don't know if I'm going to make it to my gate. And so I went to the side of the wall, to the side of the, you know, to the, to the wall. So I could brace myself. Cause I felt like I was going to pass out because I was so fatigued. I was like seven days out from my show. Mm. I felt like I didn't have the energy to take another step. And I remember I finally got to my gate and I sat down and I snapped and I know we're not watching this, but that's in quotations. I snapped and had a piece of gum and I thought, Oh my gosh. That's how bad it was. Yeah. And I had a piece of gum and I remember just starting to cry. Like, oh my gosh, I just had one gram of carb. Like I had a carb, Mm. a carb. (laughs) I mean, that's how bad I was. Yeah. And so that took me, you know, I I competed for a number of years after that. And, um, and in that process, I went from living on a meal plan to understanding the concept of calories to then being introduced to macros and flexible dieting. And all of those were stepping stones in a better direction than the direction I was in because mm. I was learning the body. I was, I was less afraid of food. And so I will never, I am not the, the eating recovery coach that bashes the fitness industry as many mm. do. Um, I don't do that. It took me to where I'm at now. And so I can look at that and I can say, you know, I believe there is a very small portion of the population who can do bodybuilding as a sport without losing their shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I don't think most can. I don't think most people can. And I would agree with that. Yeah. And so I won't bash it, but I think it's, it's sold as something that anybody and everybody can do. You just got to put in hard work. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, uh, it, no, it, it fucks with too many people. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, and, I totally agree. Yeah. So then I, um, I, after that, it was, I slowly started working out of counting macros and I slowly started to say like, can I do this? 
can I eat intuitively? And I remember the first time I heard the word intuitive eating, I thought I laughed out loud. I was like, I was like, if intuitive, what you mean, you listen to your hunger and fullness cues. If I were to do that, I'd be elbow deep in a tub of ice cream every night. (laughs) No way. So that was, I know that was very long winded answer to like how I got to this point, but it was a lot of trial and error and a lot of understanding the brain and how to reprogram neural pathways so that we no longer feel the impulse to Mm -hmm. binge and overeat. And that's a process of utilizing different psychological techniques and, and, and tools to reprogram our mind because for so long my my thought was all I have to do is white knuckle it and be, try harder be more disciplined and I won't binge but that's not how it works right at all and so many people are trying that strategy of I just need to try harder why am I weak why can't I do this and it's not about weakness it's about you don't understand how to work in sync with your brain so the strategies that you're trying are having this backlash effect they might temporarily be able to hold you over for as long as you can white knuckle it but eventually that we fatigue our mind fatigues and yeah. we snap so yeah no i no i love that and that was not a long that was a, that was not a long winning story i love that well and I, and i think to be honest a lot of people listening or that will be listening to this were just like if I said this, if I thought this, oh, yep, I did that. I did that. I did that. Because um, with my like with my background, I'm I'm primarily a fi- just a fitness coach, right? I do uh, I coach people with just just fitness and fat loss primarily. But what drives me nuts, and which is why I wanted to get you on the podcast, is because I see so many people living on either spectrum. They're either um, they're eat, sleep, and breathe fitness, fat loss because donuts are bad and store fat, and that's where they they live, and they just are ticking time bomb t- till their their shit ends. Or they're on the other end of the spectrum where they're so self-loving that they accept all these bad habits and it's, in, and it's to a, a, an extreme of that side that's too far. Whereas there is, I believe there is that middle ground of loving yourself, but still working on yourself and still having guidelines and standards. But I feel like everyone lives on either of these spectrums. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And that's the thing that um, is, that's the thing that makes me sad. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that this like body confidence, self-love, yeah. intuitive eating, health at every size movement is catching wind. I'm really thankful for that. But the thing that is the thing that's the detriment to the people that need the message is the way the message is coming across. And that is what you said. And that's the perspective a lot of people have is, you know, I either, and I had that for so long and in working with my well-intentioned therapist, she was well-intentioned, but didn't, didn't help me. Mm -hmm. Um, was, was I had this perspective that I either could feel good in my own skin and, and pursue health and fitness or, or I could have an easy, normal, effortless relationship with food. And I didn't think I could have both. And that's my message to the women that I work with. And I call it mountaintop living. I say, I live I in Colorado, that. the mountains. I'm like, yeah, you can be on that mountaintop. Um, but it's, it, you can. And the thing that we have to understand is, you know, having a goal to lose weight isn't inherently bad. And that was the thing that I think, Uh, the message that I was receiving that I couldn't cope with when I wanted to heal my relationship with food. But when I was looking towards, you know, this end of the spectrum, I was like, Oh my gosh, but I want to feel good in my own skin too. And so it was like, I resisted. And the, you know, the thing that's so important for, for individuals to understand is that we self-love 
includes self-discipline, but discipline in the right things. When we're starting to try and enforce discipline to control food to the point of obsession, that's when things, that's yeah. when shit gets so backwards, but it's also ambiguous. And, and so yeah. many people are speaking in ambiguous terms that, you know, we need to be, and I was saying this on my Instagram this morning, like we, you should do mindful eating. And it's like, what the fuck does that even mean? Thank like, you. Oh. Yes. <laughs> you know, but nobody breaks it down for people who are actually interested in maybe not tracking macros for a season or, or anymore. Like nobody breaks it down for them. And mm -hmm. so there's a massive fear and a massive hurdle that people have to jump over to get to the other side or to find more balance. And so I think the, the reason we've had such success is when we work with women, we say, Hey, look, you can, you can have these fitness goals, but let's talk about how we don't have to be crazy in our mind and how we can reprogram how we yeah. feel about food and reprogram our self perspective. And what does self self love actually mean? What is mindful eating and, and healing our relationship with food actually mean tangibly. And we mm. talk about those things and we work through those things. We reprogram these limiting beliefs. We move through a lot of the, the garbage that's, that's creating these behaviors, but you're absolutely right in that there is a middle ground to be had and you don't have to feel bad for wanting to feel confident in your own skin. And I think that's right. what a lot of people feel torn. Like, Oh, I want to have a healthy relationship with food, but I feel bad because I really want to feel good in my own skin. You don't have to feel bad for that. This is your yeah. permission slip to, to have it all. No, I love that. And so how, so let's stay on that. How, how do you teach that for you? For you, how do you go about teaching that where you have someone that's on either camp and how do you get, how do you go about that? Yeah. So obviously everybody comes into, so I run a, a four, four to 12 month long program. So it starts as four months. Our women can continue on. It's called the food freedom online program. And what we do in there is the very first thing we do when women come in is we, t we help them reduce the pressure, the noise, the chaos of the, the feeling of I'm out of control with food. I'm overeating. I'm binge eating. I'm emotionally eating. And again, it doesn't matter where you fall out on the spectrum because the underlying thread of an unhealthy relationship with food is the same. So it doesn't matter if you're dipping your toes and binging sometimes, restricting sometimes, you know, wherever you're at on that spectrum, there's, there's commonalities. And so when they come in, the very first thing we do is we say like, I, I take them through a process of one understanding the science because when I was in therapy, I, I, it, it felt good. It really felt good. And I'm a huge advocate for therapy. So, so, you know, don't get me wrong in that. I'm, I am pro therapy. Mm -hmm. I, I see a therapist, my husband and I go to marriage counseling. Like I love therapy, but when I was going to therapy specifically for this struggle, it, my counselor was talking about a lot of things about my past and this, that, and the other. And it was, it felt good to like get these things off, work through some of these things, but it wasn't changing my behavior mm. to food. And it wasn't because it was because I didn't understand the science of what was happening in my brain. So that's the very first thing I do is I sure. educate and like, Hey, this is what, an, this is what a neural pathway is. This is why you feel this way. You're not crazy for feeling totally fine one minute and then flying off the handle and wanting to go hide and binge and hide from your husband or your spouse or whatever the next, like you're not crazy. Here's what's going on in the brain. And so when they understand the science of it and they realize, whoa, like, and that's kind of the, what happens. It's like, okay, first we have to understand we're not crazy because that's how, yeah. and I also tell everybody who comes into our course, we need to not, there's a lot of fear. 
And so the first thing I have to do is break down that fear by educating and then teaching the techniques and tools to reprogram the brain. And there's, there's about 10 different techniques and tools that mental collaboration, metacognition techniques, there are various, various psychological techniques that we use through repeated action and habituation, doing something over and over and over again to program in new thought patterns, yeah. new emotional response, automatic. We want, we want our relationship with food to be easy, effortless, yeah. automatic. Like, oh, I'm hungry. All right, I'm going to eat. Or, oh, you know what? Even though I want that, that thing, you know, I don't think I'm going to have it. And that's it. Not like, uh, 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 like not mm. the, the, the bound, the ping pong, I call it the yeah. ping pong effect where it's like, should I, should I do? No, no, you, you haven't. No. <laughs> I love like that. that yeah. I'm like, we don't want that. We just want to be like, mm, no, and be able to walk away. I always explain to my clients too that. I remember when, um, when I was growing up, my dad would say things like, oh, I have a massive headache. And I'd be like, why dad? And he's like, you know, I forgot to eat. And it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. And I would look at him like he had like a third eye, like he was an alien. Like, what do you <laughs> mean you forgot to eat? I've been thinking about eating all day long. Right. <laughs> and that's where we want to get to is that place where it's just like, it's, it's neither here nor there. Mm -hmm. um, but the techniques that we teach, the process that we move through is a process of, because true behavior, true behavior change is belief change. Mm -hmm. And so there's a domino effect of our behaviors and most people, and this is what I did when I was pursuing fitness goals was, okay, I, there's a, a goal that I have. And the way that I'm going to get to this goal is by changing my behaviors. And I look at behaviors as the outside circle of, or the outside layer of an onion. And, mm. and okay, it's great to change our behaviors because that will change our outcomes, but there's layers inside of that. And if we don't focus yeah. on changing what's inside of those things, we can only change our behaviors against what's automatic for us for so long. And that's why we, we have to use willpower and discipline and not fatigues. Mm. So if you go one layer in, what happens before our behaviors is our emotions. So we're just working our way backwards. So emotions, the reason we, we do the things we do is because we feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. So if your emotions aren't supporting your behaviors, it feels incongruent. And it's like, mm. okay, I'm not going to eat, but I feel like binging on all of this. Sure. I'm not going to, and then that incongruency creates internal pressure. Then a layer below the, the behaviors is our thoughts. And a thought, the differentiator between a thought and our emotions, the thought is just a, a sentence that runs through our head. Mm -hmm. And those sentences that are running through our head all day long, a lot of them are just automatic, are influencing the way we feel, the emotional yeah. sensation that we experience. And then a layer deeper is our beliefs. The core of who we are is our belief system. And so all of us throughout our life, through our upbringing, our environment, the people that we were around, we have had the situations we've gone through, we've had activating events that instill certain beliefs in us. And those beliefs are now creating our realities. But if we're only focusing on changing our behaviors and sure. we don't go into our thoughts, our emotions, and to the core of our behaviors, then we struggle a lot to, to make true change. Sure. So the, really what we do is a lot of identity work, shifting the identity, shifting our self-perception, but through a lot of um, research-backed tools and techniques to get us there. And what happens in the process is the impulse 
instead of having to rely on willpower and discipline to stop binging or stop overeating or stop emotionally eating, that impulse that drives us to do that weakens because what happens when we use these psychological techniques is our, it's called our internal locus of control. It's our internal feeling of control. And, and when we have a stronger internal locus of control, we don't face the feeling of impulsivity. Sure. And so it's like strengthening um, an area of the brain. And, and we, we, we do things that are like mental workouts. Um, and it strengthens the area of the brain responsible for, for contr control. Mm -hmm. and, so, and not control in a sense of willpower and discipline, but in a sense of we don't experience impulsivity sure. as strong anymore. So you might feel a craving, but your ability to respond goes from, Oh my God, I don't know if I should do it. Should I do it? Should I not do it? And that ping pong ball mm -hmm. effect into, do I want the ice cream? Yeah. Oh, uh, but I don't think I'm going to have it right now. Okay. Moving on. Yeah. Like that simple. No, I love that. That's, that's so powerful. Cause I think it's easy, uh, especially coming from the, like the fitnessy dieting world that people are just like, just give me the program. Give me the diet. Give me the, the meal plan. Give me the, the thing that's like way out here versus like, doing the hard work. Cause to be honest, changing core belief systems that are 20 years old, 30 years old fucking sucks. And that's, that's, yeah. I think it's harder than, than, than any of it. You know what I mean? Totally. And you're, you're so right. It's, it's hard work. And I always shoot it straight with the women I work with. I say, get ready because your whole life's about to change and it can feel disorienting, but mm -hmm. it's truly a beautiful thing because we come into our full potential yeah. and it feels so good. Although it is scary because yeah, changing your beliefs that you've had for decades is it, it it's I, the word I like to use is it's, it can be disorienting if you're not guided in that process, because it's like, we go into this, like, I don't even know who I am and yeah. our soul needs to know who we are. Our conscious needs to have a clear picture of who we are. But if we're just, if we're focused on, I don't like what I do. I don't like who I am. I hate the way my body looks. I don't, what's wrong with me. If we're just focused on that, we don't know how to create and then transition into a new identity there. It's like this battle mm -hmm. and we're stuck in something we don't hate, but we don't know how to get to the other side. Yeah. Now, do you find, uh, cause this is something I see uh, that I see a lot where people have this, um, they, they, they're in the place where they're like, I want to lose weight. I want to get healthy. I want a fitness goal here, but they have all this shit they need to deal with first. And it's like, well, I'm going to get to my goal, then deal with this. Or they're like, like, I see this in a lot of, uh, like a lot of younger kids that have like, you can, there's some eating disorders and there's some, uh, a lot of, uh, baggage currently, and they don't want to fix that, but they're just like, I'm just going to get to the goal, get to the goal. But do you think it's, uh, I think it's better. And I'm curious of what your thoughts are. If it's better to handle all this stuff, get your headspace in check, get your identity in check, your belief systems in check, then attack fitness and actually put fitness on hold until we get this taken care of. Is that how you believe with that? Or do you think they, they happen simultaneously? That's a great question. And a lot of, a lot of, like everybody asks me that everybody, cause they want right. to know, do I have to put, you know, do I have to not do fitness if I'm going to try and heal my relationship with food like how does this fit and the fear is and a lot of the thought is well I'm, i should just fix fix quote you know quote unquote yeah. fix my body first and then i'll focus on my relationship with food and while i understand that mm -hmm. thought process because i lived in the fear of hating my body for so long um i and i totally get that and i respect you know whoever's listening that feels that because that's where i was at. it was debilitating like hate for sure. myself and here's the reality you will not 
fix your body and then heal your mind because what's going to happen with a broken mind driving a physical transformation, it mm-hmm. is not sustainable. It will yeah. backlash on you. It's, it doesn't matter if it's three months, six months, a year, you will gain the weight back. It will backlash and you'll be worse off than when you started because you've wrecked your metabolism. Your mind has deteriorated even further in terms of your, your mindset. Um, and so what I always say is there now is the best time to heal your relationship with food right now is mm-hmm. the best time. And you don't have to give up fitness in the pursuit of healing your relationship with food. You don't, you can still pursue your fitness goals, but what you, what we have to put on hold is our active pursuit of being in a calorie deficit because of the simple science that when our body is in a calorie deficit, our survival mechanisms fire and send us signals, strong signals to eat. And if you're struggling with a unhealthy relationship with food or anxiety in your relationship with food, that signal to eat, right? Like how many, how many people have, have been afraid of, of feeling hunger? That signal to eat turns into, oh my God, I'm afraid. And then it's really strong. And it's like, oh my God, I have this impulse. And then we're fighting this impulse. We're wrestling this impulse to binge or to overeat or emotionally eat. And, and emotion is the glue to our neural pathways and our memory. Mm. So when that intensity of, oh my God, I feel, I'm feeling hunger. Don't eat. You're on this diet. You can't eat for another five hours. And that intensity that we feel that builds, it, it, it literally glues in our memory mm. stronger habit pathways. And so So you're fighting your physiology if you're trying to reprogram your brain while simultaneously dropping into a calorie deficit. I know that I could be in a calorie deficit at this point in my life and I would feel hunger. I would think about food more, even though I've I've healed my mind because it's normal. It's a natural, healthy response of a body in deprivation, but it wouldn't be the intensity. It would be the, the, percentage of bodybuilders who can diet and it's just like yeah i'm hungry and it sucks and maybe i'm a little short-tempered but i'm not obsessively thinking about food all the time right so that's what i always tell them and you don't have to give up working out you don't have to give up focus focusing on your athletic goals but we do need to say i'm i'm willing to put myself into at least a state of maintenance and we could do that for a, a season to focus on we do need to reprogram our our mind first yeah no, I love that. That's such a that's such a good point. And I th- I think the fact that you take the time, uh, even like right now, especially, but I'm even more with your actual clients getting really in depth with this, is to explain the science of that, because I think so many people live in obscurity where they're like, I don't know, I just feel this way. But when you explain it, like, no, this is what happens. This is the blue, and, and it goes, oh, well, that makes sense. I feel less crazy, <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> you know. Because I don't think people realize they are straight up fighting. It's like this this steel cage match between willpower and biology, where it's like, no, I'm going to work really, really hard, but biologically, you're like, no, this you're literally in survival mode, and you're just your stress signals are firing, and it's it's this back and forth. One hundred percent, and and it, it to tell to explain the science to people, what it does is it helps them cope with the reality. And I say, I know that this isn't what you want to hear because you want to believe 
the, you know, Joe Schmo trainer who said you can lose 10 pounds in a week and keep it off without experiencing hunger. Like you want to believe that. I know I wanted to believe all those things mm -hmm. too, but let me help you cope with the reality of what the science says. And it's, and, and it, and that's where the statement ignorance is bliss mm -hmm. makes sense. It's like, yeah, I do want to believe that. I want to believe what Joe Schmo says because it sounds easier. Yep. And so I say, okay, let's cope with the reality and go from, from ignorance into educated and, and then we get to be wise in how we navigate our goals. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we have to cope with the fact that, um, it's going to take time and rewiring our brain, changing our identity, our belief system is challenging, yeah. but if we have the support to do that. And what I always tell my clients is, Hey, this, you know, the first phase of my program, four months, a lot of people come in and in four months, they're, they're no longer binging, overeating, emotionally eating. And then we go into deeper work. Yeah. Within the next, you know, full 12 month long deal that we do. But I say, look, can you just, can you just say, okay, I know I have these fitness and these weight loss goals, but I'm just going to, and, and I, and I know like I, I have those, you don't have, I'm not going to tell you to, to trash those, just put them right here on the shelf and give me four months. And let's see where we get in our relationship with food. The goals will be right there. Mm -hmm. But is it, has it worked for you now? How many times have you gained weight and lost weight, gained weight and lost weight, gained weight and lost yeah. weight? Can you give four months? And, and then they're like, yeah, I think I can give myself four months. Let's, let's try this. I love that. So. Well, and I think a lot of people, it's easy to think like, when fat loss isn't the number one priority, but it's still like, we see it over here. A lot of people think that like, they're just going to in four months or trying to really just take a break. Like right now I see people doing this with quarantine and everything where it's like, right now it's not necessarily the most conducive environment to attack your fat loss goals. Like in a lot yeah. of people, it's better right now to go into a maintenance phase or just like make sure their head spaces in check and stress levels are okay. And, uh, people are afraid that they go into maintenance and they're just going to become like obese instantly or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that I say too, is the fear is if I'm not actively pursuing fat loss, I'm going to spiral out of control and I'm going to gain all of this weight and it's never going to stop. I know because I had that fear. Mm -hmm. And, and the reason we have that belief is because we believe we have evidence to support that belief. And, and, you know, to, to listeners, see if this sounds familiar. Well, you know, on my cheat day or when I snap or when I feel like I've earned some rest and I give myself a weekend or it's the vacation or it's my birthday or whatever. And I, and I say, well, I'm going to let myself enjoy. I end up enjoying way more than I had planned. I went, I end up way overdoing it. And so I'm positive that if I were to, you know, not actively pursue weight loss, I would actively go in the other direction very rapidly. And I know because it's like, yeah, anytime I would take a break or have a cheat day or a day off, I'm like, eat all the foods now yeah. because the diet starts tomorrow. And that's the last supper mentality. And so mm -hmm. that's one of the very first things we have to work on with clients when they come in. I say, hey, like, and this is an analogy that I hope will help your listeners really understand the process. Um, and again, I try and break it down and make it so simple to understand because yeah. the obscurity, like you said, is so is so damn frustrating. And that's why I feel this is my moral obligation because there's so many men, I, I work with women, but men struggle just as much. I just sure. don't verbalize it as much. Um, so many are suffering unnecessarily. And so the analogy that I, I like to use, and I have a, an IGTV that I did way back explaining this, but I drew a diagram and I said, um, basically our, the, the process of 
of no longer experiencing this impulsive, like spiraling out of control feeling, it, we have to practice reducing internal pressure. And so I use this analogy that our, our internal environment is like a soda bottle. So the, imagine like your, your, in, your internal mm -hmm. world is like this, this soda bottle on it. You have the cap screwed on really tight. And every time you diet, every time you, you go into self-hatred, I hate my body. Every time you go into guilt and shame, every time it's like, oh, what the heck is wrong with me? You are, you are you know, figuratively shaking that soda bottle and it's becoming tighter mm. and tighter and tighter. That, that cap is screwed on tight. That carbonated drink is becoming more pressurized. And that's the feeling that we have yeah. inside of, I am going to snap and, and fucking lose it. Like I'm going to yeah. go crazy with food. And that feeling is it's building up. It's building up that internal pressure builds. And when we decide that we are going to unscrew the bottle top because we have a cheat day and we deserve to <sighs> relax, that internal pressure has been built up and that carbonation yeah. blows. It's like, mm -hmm. and then it's like, holy crap, I way overdid it. What the heck is wrong with me? And we go scrambling for that, that lid and we screw that lid back on. We're like, oh my gosh, close the gasket. And we screw that lid back on and we go right back to shaking that bottle, shaking yep. that bottle, that pressure builds. And then again, and so what I tell my women is when, when you come in, what we're going to learn to do is we're going to learn how to strategically unscrew that bottle top and strategically release the pressure with, cause you can do that, right? A highly carbonated drink. If you open it slow enough, it's going to come out slower and it's not going to be as messy. But the only thing most people know is the, the freaking mess. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> and so I say, you know, we need to come in and you've never been taught tools and strategies to release that pressure slowly in a way that you don't spiral out of control. So, so that's kind of the, the process. And then it's getting used to, whoa, this bottle top is off. Okay. And then sometimes the pressure builds and I'm like, wait, here's a tool for that. We got to utilize this and we got to keep, nope, don't go put that lid back on. They're like, okay. And so we, we navigate that, that internal pressure yeah. because that's truly the thing that's causing us to be in these cycles. No, I love that. That's an amazing analogy. I'm like, I love analogies like that are just golden. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Um, let's say someone is on their journey to really fit getting this taken care of. They're not in a fat loss phase. They're trying to, they're like, okay, my uh, mental health, my anxiety around food, this stuff is my number one priority. And let's say they binge someone does that and, and they're like, ah, what are your strategies or what are your suggestions about, let's say someone does binge um, or yeah. just wakes up from a coma and pizza crusts are everywhere. And they're like, what? Because <laughs> um, a lot of people, uh, they're, I, the amount of DMs I get that saying, hey, Jared, I blew in my calories out of the water yesterday. I think I'm not going to eat for the next five days or I'm going to get rid of carbs or all these horrendous habits. So how do you suggest to handle post binge? Yeah, and that's a great question. And this is the this is another reality that we have to cope with and make peace with. And that is the process of healing your relationship with food includes binges, moments of overeating, moments of emotional eating, moments of going back to our old behaviors. That's it's part of it. Mm -hmm. And so when this happens, you know, there's some women who come into my program and you know they're they're like, I'm I am so stinking ready they they take they're like i 
I don't care if it explodes. I'm untwisting that bottle top. I'm just going to have fun with it. And then just like having a messy party. And I'm like, hell yeah. And what, what I always, another part of that analogy is I tell women, I say, you can go fast or you can go slow in the healing process. Some women are like, I'm terrified. I'm terrified of spiraling out of control. So it's that slow, like, and, and some are like, I'm so tired. I'm willing to try anything. And they're like, okay, you want me to do this? I got it. And they'll just unscrew that top. And what I say, another part of that analogy is it's kind of like going to the water park and going on that, you know, the, the straight down slides. And there's like three options. Oh, one yeah. is like the super steep one that you're like, I don't, I might pee my pants if I choose that one. <laughs> and the other one's like, it's like one of the rolling slides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I say, you can go down either one and they'll get you to the bottom. It's just, which one do you want to go? And some women are like, hell yeah, I'm going straight to the big girl side. And some are like, I'm going to go down the rolling one. I say, either way, it's fine. Yeah. It's just, some are going to get down to the bottom faster. And so, so when somebody binges and, you know, and it's, it's, it's devastating, it's paralyzing. It's like, Oh, what the, what the hell's wrong with me? This is what I always say. And I have, um, on, on my podcast, I have, um, a episode specifically, what's the title of it? It is, um, I think it's, I think the title of the episode is tangible strategies for releasing guilt post binge. So that's on the Mm. dear body podcast. If anybody wants to check it out. But what I say in that podcast is, um, guilt And this, this rocked me in my core when I heard this um, from one of my mentors, they said, guilt and shame is useless and it's selfish. And I thought like, whoa, that's rude. I just got chills. You said that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, wow. Like, ouch, that's rude. I feel like I deserve to feel guilty. I feel like I deserve to feel shame for my behaviors. And when that was said to me, it was then followed up with this explanation. It's useless because it keeps us focusing on what we're trying to move away from and it's selfish because it's inward focused Mm. and and it's like we have to learn how to get out of that and release guilt and shame and we have to understand as human beings it's important that we allow ourselves to feel the full spectrum of emotions sadness you know, all, all the negative emotions as well, but there's a few emotions that are useless and that's guilt and that's shame. It doesn't take us forward. So when Mm -hmm. you're feeling those things, just, we have to step into extreme ownership and say, yeah, that sucked. And we have to start removing judgment from the act because part of the cycles of that are building the internal pressure that's keeping us in, in these cycles with food is not only the physical calorie restriction with the obsession, but also the mental restriction and mental restriction includes things like guilt, guilt, shame, judgment. And so if we can step back post binge and here's some tangible strategies, step back and say, recognize you are not your thoughts, but you are the conscious awareness of those thoughts. So when people say like, what the hell is mindfulness? I say, it's really simple. Let me break it down for you. It's simply the ability to pause in a moment and go, what am I, three things, three things. What am I thinking? What thoughts are running through my head? What emotions am I experiencing right now? And what behaviors am I engaging in? Period. That's what mindfulness means. It means right now I'm thinking about Jared's got a great beard and where I'm on the podcast interview and my, uh, my emotions are 
you know, passion. I'm excited. I'm talking about the thing that I'm passionate about. My behavior, I'm talking right now. I'm talking with my hands because that's what I, okay, that's what I'm doing right there. Mindfulness. I, I, I'm aware of what's going on. And so post binge, if we can go into a state of mindfulness and say, okay, what was I thinking? What was I feeling? And what was I doing? I was thinking that I didn't want to think about anything and I wanted to mentally check out. I was feeling anxious and overwhelmed and I was rummaging through the kitchen, the pantry, whatever, hiding, whatever. This is what I was doing. And then we, and we have to look at that without judgment. So we can say, I'm disappointed. And we go into, uh, our therapist that works with us in, in the program, he talks about this a lot, going into less emotion. So we want to starve the emotion in the moment and just go into what's true and what's not true. Mm. Well, what's true is I binged. What's not true is that I'm spiraling out of control and I'm never going to, you know, cause we go into these like mental loops and spirals and you say, okay, what's true is my stomach freaking hurts. What's true is I'm disappointed in myself. What's not true is I'm a lousy human being that can never get their crap together and whatever stories you're telling yourself. So just remove some of the emotion. What's true? What's not true? And then this is how we release guilt. This is a tangible strategy is once we've done that, you have, you have learned from the situation. What's, what's the thing that you've learned about yourself? Well, I've learned that every time so-and-so says this to me, or my boss does this, or I'm stuck at home with all this food, you know, it's really challenging for me and it causes me a lot of anxiety. And the action, once we've extracted the lesson, because, we, and, and okay, we got to extract the lesson. And then we've also got to accept how we feel. Mm. I feel disappointed. I can accept that. I don't have to double whammy and beat myself up by being like, oh, you sure. shouldn't, whatever. No, accept the emotion. If you want to feel better, we have to practice being better feelers. Mm. So we extract the lesson, we feel the emotion, and then we take action. What is one step? That's going to lead me in the direction that I want. And it's not starving yourself the next day. Right. It's not starving yourself the next meal. Maybe it's, I'm going to eat a little bit lighter because I'm stuffed and I'm not going to mm. eat as much for dinner, but it's not, I'm going to restrict for the next 17 days because I ate, you know, so many calories in one sitting. Mm -hmm. That's not going to take you anywhere. That's just going right. to build the internal pressure. So the action piece of what, what action can I now take after doing that reflection that will move me in the right direction? And if we can do those three things, it, it, like that's, that's yeah. how we can start to release guilt. No, I love that. Like, like <laughs> it, it makes me so sad. Some of the DMS I'll see about, about people mm -hmm. who will binge and like, they're, they're like, I think I can make it the next week to compensate or like, I'm just going to do three hours of cardio every single day. And then, and it just makes, it just breaks my heart. Cause I just, I, I can't stand, stand that. Like it, it's, it's yeah. nuts. And that pendulum, when you, when you do that, what happens is the pendulum, like we're trying to get to the balance and that's, yeah. that's a pendulum that's hanging in the middle. When you binge and restrict, the pendulum goes over here. And if your response is going to be to, mm -hmm. you know, to, or to restrict and to over-exercise, that pendulum's going to swing over here. And eventually it's going to swing harder back yep. in the other direction. And that's what we don't want to do. We want to get to, to equilibrium, mm -hmm. to balance. So. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Now I, I kind of, kind of switching gears just a little bit. Um, I saw you had a really good video. It was an IGTV that you posted somewhat recently. Um, yeah. but when it comes to the scale, uh, the bat, the good old bathroom scale, that little bastard, um, <laughs> a lot of people, 
I'm sure you know with scale anxiety and putting all everything from their self-worth to letting that emotionally rock them. Like I've seen some of like the most, uh, like, like for example, I've seen like ER nurses, trauma nurses who can like, you can't shake them. Like you could literally have your head hanging off and blood squirting like a super soaker. They handle it just fine. But the scale's up three and a half pounds because they had it, they drank water right before bed and they just like blow up. So how, and when it comes to the scale, and I know this is contextual, um, how do you go about handling when you teach scale anxiety, whether it's, cause I feel like a lot of people will just say just scale doesn't define me and they get rid of it. Well, that only, that's just got rid of the symptom. I feel like, whereas they, as soon as they weigh it again, or they're at their friend's house, they're like, let me just see. And then it all comes back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. So, um, we don't want to, we can redirect our behaviors. So you can, for example, somebody can be um, a drug addict and they can, instead of healing, they can redirect and become an alcoholic. Or they can go from, you know, from struggling with, with alcohol to channeling that into now we struggle with food, right? We don't want to redirect, we want to heal. Yes. And so there, like, that's what you alluded to. There's a difference there. And so I don't want my women to be afraid of going to the doctors and stepping on a scale. Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody to be afraid of that. I want to remove the emotion of what that number means. But for a lot of people, the first step of that is getting out of this, like this obsession with it every single morning, multiple times throughout the day. And so when I'm trying to help women with this is I say, look, let's, and again, I, I always want to honor where everybody is at, because mm -hmm. if I were to tell everybody, you know, you should, you should toss out your scale or you should hide it, you should put it away. The anxiety that some people would feel is overwhelming. And so I say, you know, it's a good idea to learn how to divorce the scale in terms of it, our attachment to it and our mm -hmm. feelings of self-worth associated with it. And a really great place to start is, can we just um, like take a break? Imagine it's yeah. like this this toxic boyfriend and it's like, you know, I think he's a good guy. I don't think he's inherently bad, but some of the dynamics of our relationship is weird. We need a break. I need to figure some things out. Mm -hmm. And so for some women, again, they're like, I'm throwing this thing away. And I'm like, hell yeah, good for you. And some are like, I'm having my partner hide it or whatever. Um, or it's like, Hey, let's work through being able to not be addicted to mm -hmm. it. Um, and so one of the things that I was doing in my journey to making peace with my weight and making peace with food was when I would step on this, because before I could get rid of the scale, I, I, I went through this process when I would step on it before I got on it, I would, I would get into mindfulness. Okay. Again, what the hell's mindfulness? I would just say, what, what am I thinking right now? What am I feeling? And what am I doing? I'm thinking that I'm a little nervous because I don't know if this number is going to go up or down. I'm feeling, I'm feeling anxious or I'm thinking about what I ate last night, wondering what, how it's going to affect my weight. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling a little bit anxious or I'm feeling apathetic or I'm feeling nervous that this is going to affect my mood for the day. Okay. What am I doing? I'm standing here in my bathroom. Okay. And then I would remind myself, remember if that number and I, and, and I'm a spiritual person, so it, it would be more of a prayer. I would say, God, don't let me, don't let me feel more valuable or more of a person. If that number goes down. I love that. Or don't let me feel less of a person or less valuable if that number goes up. If that number stays the same, please help me to not feel mm -hmm. like, like I, uh, you know, what, what I'm working towards 
is for nothing. You know, like, don't let me feel that. Mm -hmm. The step on the scale. And it was like, okay, I tried to remove the emotion out of whatever I saw. Like, it's just, it it just is. It's not Mm -hmm. something that has to have my worth or my attachment or my emotions or set the tone for my day. And so I kind of started there. And then eventually I was like, man, even just having to do that whole thing is causing me to feel a little bit anxious. Can I take a break from it? And then that's when I did, I put it away and it was a little, it was hard because every time I would eat something, I would want to know, well, how did that affect me? And this goes back to learning how to work in sync with our brain and our brain wants to see tangible metrics. Our brain is super simple. It's complex and it's simple at the Mm -hmm. same time. And so another tangible strategy that even it would work, you know, with, with fitness clients is how do we work on behavior-based goals, you know, strength, athletic-based goals? How can we focus on other things um, that are more sustainable metrics of our progress? And um, in the book, Atomic Habits by James Clear, mm-hmm. he talks about having um, like visual cues. And so I have these mason jars. And when I exercise or I do my morning routine, I just put a coin in them and it's cool because I look at them and they sit in my office and, and you can have jars for whatever behaviors that you're working mm-hmm. toward. And I see the, I see the jars getting more and more full and I'm like, Oh, I am making progress. That's cool. I love that. So, yeah. So those are some of the things that I, you know, that I teach women. And then we talk about, you know, if you do need to go to the doctors and step on the scale, can we, can we re- remove emotion? And that's a lot of work on, yeah. on like self-worth, like where's our self-worth coming from? Is it really coming from a number? Are you forfeiting your identity and your worth over to your relationship with gravity? Do you want to keep giving your power to a, a, a piece of plastic, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. <clears throat> no, I love that. I love that. Um, now I have a, a really interesting, I have an interesting question I want to ask you because I've been experiencing this lately with uh, some of the messages I've been getting. Um, and, and I love absolutely everything you've said thus far, by the way, like this is, this is great. Um, now let's say someone is on their journey to, to doing this the right way, doing everything that you're saying and all this stuff, but let's say their environment is not so conducive and they just can't leave. Let's say that's a person with a toxic spouse who just says, Oh, you're eating that again. Or, Hey, I thought you were trying your diet for the fucking 18th time. Or, um, one I've been noticing a lot is, um, so I've been, I've started uh, posting a lot of content on TikTok, uh, and I've been getting an unreal amount of messages from, um, 15 year old kids that Mm -hmm. are, that, that are, um, a lot of this stuff is being put in their heads in a negative fashion by parents. And like, like, um, like I had, I had a 13 year old girl message me who was uh, ready to end it that night. And who mom is mama is like, Oh no, you need to starve yourself. You're a fat little kid. You're, and, and it just breaks my heart that I see all these kids that are struggling and all this stuff at such a young age, but it's strictly from their environment of toxic parents or, uh, adults with toxic relationships. Is there anything in that world that how to, how to approach this when your environment's not conducive, but you can't necessarily leave the environment. Mm, And this is that, you know, it breaks my heart to hear things like that. Um, that's so hard when our environment is not supportive. Um, you know, and if, if, if a child is in an unsupportive environment or an individual is with a spouse that's toxic, um, what's, obviously the first, my, you know, my first instinct is if you're able to leave a toxic situation, then that's always the first protocol. Um, if it's a situation where maybe in the interim, you don't have the ability to leave, 
it is so important to have as much support as you can. And so if that's getting better friends, if that's developing better relationships, if that's using social media to be social, like mm-hmm. social, like actually establish connection, build friendships, you know, get connected in ways where your heart can be supported from more. Because if you're getting, if, if you're pouring out or you're getting your energy, you're, you know, you're getting sucked dry, you need to be getting poured into more and yeah. more. And so, so, you know, I, um, for a long time, I was like, how can I, how can I help people? You know, because I know that this is so important to have more and more support. So I started our, our free morning routine Facebook group where we do, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in a morning routine and the power of utilizing that to heal our mind. Um, and so, you know, I, there's communities everywhere, you know, whether you want to get into a morning routine or Mm -hmm. you want to get more information on, you know, whatever, there's communities all over, there's Facebook groups for everything, like plug into these places and get, get connected with people who will support you and, and try and establish connections of support and understand that boundaries are so important and Mm -hmm. we have a choice of what we let influence us. And I know it's so hard when you're young and you're, you know, maybe you're under your parents kind of umbrella right now, that's really, really hard. Um, and that forces you to grow up fast, but to, to anybody who is in that place, you know, whether it's finding a safe family member that you can find support in, um, or, you know, communities or whatever it is, it's like, find that plug into that. Maybe you have a teacher that feels safe. Maybe there's a a church group that feels safe. Maybe there's, you know, maybe your friend has really amazing parents that feel safe, like plug in, um, and, and find that support, but also know that you are powerful. And I felt like I had to grow up fast because my mom, uh, I have amazing parents, but she struggled with alcoholism my entire childhood. Mm -hmm. And so and I was an only child. And I, I always felt like I had to worry about like, if she was going to be okay. And so I, I felt like I was forced to step into more of an adult role way too soon. Um, but I want, like, I want everybody to know that we have the power to, to stand up and to identify what's right and what's wrong and to protect ourselves from that by saying, you know what, if my mom is saying this, or if my dad is saying this, I can know that they, you know, likely love me. Or maybe it's super toxic where it's like, they're not good humans. And that can be true too, but we can also have good humans who do shitty things. And so Mm -hmm. it can be like, I know that my mom loves me. And I also know that her putting this pressure on me is wrong. And I can protect my heart and create create a boundary and a boundary just means I don't have to push people away, mm. but I get to expand my safe zone by saying, you know what? She can say those things, but I'm not going to let them penetrate my heart. And I'm going to take that. advice and wisdom from people that I look up to and that I want to be more like. And so we have to start filtering what we let penetrate. And so it's like, I love you, mom, but that I'm not going to let what you just said penetrate my heart. And maybe you say that, maybe you just know that you're just letting that thing bounce off, even though it's hurtful. And it's like, you have to start building up that wall of resilience to Mm. toxic people and toxic relationships, and then start opening up your heart to people who are supportive and warm and who can pour into you. Sure. No, I love that. That's, that's an, that's an amazing answer. And I've never heard someone word it like that. So that's, that's, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, okay. Last question before we tell people where to find you. Um, I always just like to asking this question too. Um, 
someone wrote, you're, you're waiting for your coffee at Starbucks. You said, Hey, I want a mocha frappa bullshit. Uh, cause I don't know Starbucks drinks and, <laughs> but someone runs into you and like, Whoa, wait, whoa, you're Jesse. Hey, what can you tell me right now to help fix my shit? Like what in like super low key moment of time while your coffee is getting ready. If someone's like, how do I fix my shit? What would you, what would you yeah. say? I would say, first of all, just know that we all have shit. And so you're not alone in your shit. Like everybody's got it. Most people don't talk about it. So I would say, mm. first of all, know that you're not crazy. The second thing I would say is, do you have a good support system? Because you will not heal in isolation because the struggle with food and body thrives in isolation and it thrives in our shame and our, and our shame and our isolation is like those, it's like a, it's like mold. It's in the dark and it's mm. growing and festering in these moist, dark places in our mind. And we have to start opening it up to the sunlight. And that means letting people in and getting support and sharing and, and practicing vulnerability in safe places, because mm. that will catapult your healing in a way that nothing else can. I always tell the people in my course, I say, I could take away all of the science, all of the techniques and tools. And if we lived in a compound off the island of Fiji altogether, and we just had community and connected, you would heal because the strongest, the strongest um, and most impactful form of healing is love. The mm -hmm. deepest form of healing is love. And the reason so many of us are so, our shit is so big is because we haven't experienced a healthy flow inward and outward of love. And so that's the core of what our soul needs. And so we could, we could put all the science aside. And if we just had love flowing in and going out, going in and going out, we would heal. I love it. <clears throat> That's such a good answer. That's so cool. Well, Jesse, I have had a glorious time with this conversation. Um, now, where can people find you? Where would you like people from here to go, whether they want to be like, where the fuck is, <laughs> is this course at? Um, or they just want to start following you. Where, where do you, and I'll put stuff in the show notes. Uh, where would you like people to go to from here? Well, first, Jared, I just want to edify you in that I know a lot of people in the fitness industry are afraid to have these, these conversations across kind of bridging the gap. And I hate the divide that I see um, in a lot of different ways. And so I appreciate you bringing this message to people who are pursuing fitness and, and fat loss. And, it, and again, there's nothing wrong with those things. And having somebody like yourself to lead them and educate them and bring people in to educate them on this is, is beautiful. It's honorable. And that's exactly what the industry needs. So thank you for being that, that, that type of person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, you know, the, a lot of information, a lot of where people are like, oh my gosh, this girl's speaking my language is through the podcast. I just, I do more of this. Um, and so the Dear Body podcast can be found on all platforms. And then obviously the Food Freedom Online program, that is, that's the only thing that I, that I do. That's my program, but free information. I have a free morning routine challenge where I also do, um, you know, I talk about the power of a morning routine and healing our relationship with food and body. And I can give you the link um, for you to put in your show notes. But otherwise I hang out on Instagram, Jesse Jean um, on Instagram. And yeah, that's where they can find me. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Jesse. Well, thank you so much again for this. I'll be in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sharon. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of uh, today's episode of the podcast. I know you got a lot of value out of it. I know you're going to want to start following Jesse and connect with her. So like I said um, earlier that you can get all of the uh, all of her connections and 
her contact info and whatnot um, in the links in the show notes. If you want to actually see the the, the actual video of this uh, recording, I did it. Jesse and I did it on Zoom, so uh, I have that uploaded to YouTube right now. So if you want to go to my YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Jared Hamilton. Uh, you could actually watch the interview with Jesse and myself. We did it over Zoom, like I said. So um, be sure and check that out. I know you're going to love that and you'll love working with Jesse and seeing some of her stuff. Be sure and check out her podcast, um, the Dear Body Podcast. And yeah, thank you for listening in. I will talk to you guys next time.